Welcome to this Pinch Gut podcast. My name is Genevieve Lang and it's a huge pleasure to be filling you in on what to expect as you enter into the auditorium of the City Recital Hall for Rameau's Plate, this December season for Pinch Gut Opera. I'm joined by three other headless voices, that of Artistic Director Erin Helliard, lead in Plate, Canaan Breen, and making her pinch gut debut with uh, the company from all the way from Italy, some time ago now, Kathy D. Jung. Erin, can I start with you? You told me this is one of the greatest operas of the 18th century. It is. But it's going to make us feel really uncomfortable, isn't it? It's an extraordinary work. It's funny, I was just reflecting on this um, as I was coming in this morning, that when I used to teach Baroque uh, opera history I would teach about seven works and actually at Pinchcut we've done most of them which is great so I chose from the 17th and 18th century Giazzone, L'Orfeo, Rinaldo, Fairy Queen and Plate I chose also because it represents a really extraordinary point in the history of opera actually and that's because it's pretty much the first comic opera there are certainly precedents to this work and a lot of our listeners might remember Italian works like La Seva Padrona, which is kind of the first comedy. It's for three voices. But those little Italian comedies uh, were sung between the acts of serious opera in France. So French audiences would have come. They would have heard their Lully, their Rameau, their tragedies. And then between the acts, they would have seen these funny little Italian operas with fart jokes, basically. But Rameau and Autreux, who wrote the libretto, are the first people to write a comedy but with all the sophistication of a tragedy so it's basically burlesque but dressed up in drag and the leading lady and the leading man who are with us here today in this podcast are also subverted so in a normal tragedy the leading man would be a a noble hero like hercules or apollo Uh, and the leading lady would be also a goddess venus or someone like that but in this The leading man is dressed up in drag uh, and is a water nymph. And the leading lady is not playing a god, but she's actually playing madness or chaos. She's called La Folie. So immediately everything's topsy-turvy. And it's a fabulous night in the theatre. But what what you refer to uh, in your question about it making you feel uncomfortable is in one of the greatest coup de théâtres of the 18th century, the, the best sort of about faces in operatic history. We have this wonderful show, we're following this farce, and then immediately when Plate, the lead character, is humiliated and the farce ends, another composer may have just finished the opera, but Rameau and Autreux allow us to witness the anger and fury as Plate swears vengeance on everyone. And it's this moment that when I teach it in Baroque opera history, I, I describe it as a moment where Rameau and Autreux put a mirror up to the audience and we're invited to reflect on our part in this drama. Are we sympathetic to Plate? Are we sympathetic to those people who are mocking and scorning her? And as such, it leaves you with more questions um, than answers, which I think is such a wonderful thing that a work of art can do. Um, Kane and Breen, you had a little giggle at that fart joke comment. It is a comedy, and mm. you are one of the great comic. I am this show's fart joke. <laughs> like, I'm just a fart joke in a costume, <laughs> and that is my happy place. I'm thrilled. 
to be asked to come and be <laughs> pinch guts fart joke. <laughs> oh, all so much joke, more than All that. jokes aside, though, is it a comfortable role for you to it's be playing? It's wonderful. It's, um, it, it really... It's challenging uh, vocally and dramatically and energetically, but it is such a gift. Erin um, has so kindly said, you know, it's like it was written for you. Well, if it was written for me, I'd have a few words with Ramon. But, <laughs> but by and large, it certainly feels like terrain that, that I adore playing in and uh, that is some some of it is familiar and some of it is is wildly unfamiliar and that's uh, challenging and thrilling and and anxiety inducing and and all the best things it's a, it's a very physical show which is as much my fault as anyone's because I just keep making ridiculous offers and then go, why did I do that? Um, uh, but Neil is a, a tremendous asset in terms of letting us have free reign in the rehearsal room to a point um, and seeing what we've got to offer. Um, and, you know, there's such a, a the, the cast is so imaginative and, and daring and fun and... Uh, you know, there's young ones and slightly older ones, and, <laughs> and, the, and the royals, as we call them, Peter, Colin Wright, and Cheryl Barker. They, they deign to join us from time to time and <laughs> sprinkle their pixie dust over proceedings. But it is—it's a very beautiful room. Pinchgut is such—it sounds like a cliche because everyone says that Pinchgut is such a beautiful company to work for. It's like—it's um, like going into the most beautiful womb, where you know we all make this gorgeous baby together, and then we show it off six times and and goes to places elsewhere but it is such a a warm loving supportive nurturing exciting um exacting place to be um and you know i've worked uh, with a lot of companies where one is not privileged to have that experience so it is always a great joy when the phone rings and it's Erin or Alison on the other end saying, would you like to come back? I'm like, oh, thank God, yes, please. Can I ask you a question about comedy? Because I imagine in a rehearsal space, you don't have the auditorium response, the immediate kind of feedback. Mm. How do you know when it's going to work? Uh, well, you don't. There was always, when I worked for uh, elsewhere, I was doing a comedy and we worked out very quickly that if the director was laughing at you, it wasn't funny and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> and so, is that true here too in the No, Olympia? it is absolutely not. If you get Neil to laugh, you know you're yeah, on a winner. that's true. Um, I mean, look, there, I'd be lying if I said there hadn't been days where we're all just trying to make each other laugh, you know. Full stop. Full stop. Uh, some of which has been retained and some of which went very quickly to God. Um I, it's it's like any pursuit in the arts. It's a it's a calculated risk, um, and there have certainly been uh, rehearsal processes that I've been through where I thought I was hilarious, and then got to an open general and discovered that I was an absolute dog. Uh, and there's not a great deal you can do at that point uh, because uh, I do trust my instincts to to a reasonable degree, um, and even though this is a comedy, it's not all funny um so there's there's quite a uh a task before all of us to honor the the comedy that's inherent in the piece but also to explore deeper um resonances which are absolutely there uh 
So your question is a very good one, and the answer lies with the people listening to this podcast. <laughs> I think that's probably right. <laughs> Please laugh, <laughs> and then don't when you're not meant to. If you laugh, if you laugh exactly. when you're not meant to, we'll have to send. Then you we out. have a problem, but it still it will still sound like laughter to me, and I'll think job well done. I remember, and this may not make it into the podcast, but there was a moment in Jazorna with Miriam Allen's um, lament. Yes, that's right. At the end, where it was by no means a comic moment. It yeah. was the most like heartfelt, emotive, all the feelings kind of thing. Mm. And it was because of the single line of translation yeah. on the surtitles that it actually was uncomfortable to a point of laughter for the audience. And it was only by the fourth show that we changed the surtitles and finally hit that point of emotion mm. rather than that point of comedy. Mm. So It often happens that surtitles in the odd in, mm. in the wrong place can do laughter. When mm. I was um, I used to do surtitles for Opera Australia and we were doing Tosca and when she says Ecco l'artista when um, Cavaradossi's shot the audience would laugh. So we just took the slide out because it is such an extraordinary tragic moment and we it's true audiences have a embarrassment that then Tr- turns into a nervous titter. So, yeah, yeah it's true. It's a tricky one. Kathy D, this is your pinch gut debut, and you kind of steal the show, I think. <laughs> would, would that be fair to say? Yes, I think it would. <laughs> I'm furious. <laughs> She's on thin ice. <laughs> Can you tell us about that moment? Um, yes, La Folie is madness in this show, and it's kind of great because I'm often playing, I don't know, you know, the romantic... Ingenues. Yes, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And she's mad. And, and actually, in this production, she's a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. she's very unhinged, <laughs> and it's coming very naturally. <laughs> very much so. And she comes in, and her first aria is this beast. And it is the one that a lot of people who know the work probably you know, go to see, I, I definitely would have anyway. And she's, she sings this aria which has so much display of, you know, great virtuosity, crazy coloratura, and then an entire repeat where you can then create your own ornamentation. Um, and in this, in this version that we're doing, I, I think I'm singing over two and a half octaves in this first aria. So and she's only got two octaves. So <laughs> <it's quite laughs> <a bit. laughs> yes. And then Neil on on top of that wants the physicality to be absolutely crazy. Um, so if I am working so hard that I, actually after this piece I don't even know why I come back. I really I'm done for the night. <laughs> she's doing a fabulous, fabulous yeah. job. It's no, a showstopper. It's like about, Susie Quattro singing. <laughs> It's extraordinary. So the instrument, if it is a really physical, you know, there's a lot of movement and I I don't know what happens on stage because I haven't seen any of the rehearsals, but how do you prepare for something like that, that the instrument can work and does work in any position, say, for the body? How Um, does that happen? At the moment, I don't know if it's always working. Exactly. That's that calculated risk we were talking about earlier. And I think in the rehearsal room, you always want to push yourself so that you know the edge um, and then you can bring it back always for the show. But you always want to do something really impressive, and you you know. And Neil is actually really excited by all the crazy stuff that he, that probably as he said back in the day, you singers didn't do on the stage. They would absolutely say no. They mm. wouldn't have had the training. They would have asserted sort of their artistry. Why would they have said no? Oh well, to be rolling around and jumping off tables whilst singing that just wasn't a thing back then. 
Um, and, and if they'd been asked to do it, they'd have, they'd, the singers would have thought the director was joking. Yeah. It was just not... Yeah. I mean, it, it harkens back to the Park and Bark generation yeah. of singers who, who quite rightly um, walked out to Downstage Centre and, and gave us their gorgeous voices. But, uh, you know, these days there's more required of singers to... Um, to be mm-hmm. all-round entertainers and yeah. and singing actors, acting singers, singing acrobats yeah. that like it's all, it's which is tremendously exciting. It's it's wonderful. Erin, um, you described this cast to me as luxury casting because we've got Peter Commonwright and Cheryl Barker as Kanan referred Who? to earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> no, it really is. It what is... Does it, I mean, and, and Neil Armfield directing, yeah. like how long has it taken to put these pieces of the pinch gut puzzle for this production into place? Well, we started planning this about four years ago, even before, you know, COVID was a thing. And so this, this plateau represents... Um, uh, the pinch got evolved, you know, for the last two years we've adapted, we've been resilient, we've changed everything, we've uh, recast shows, we've put casts, we've delayed productions and Plate for a moment it did look also during this second lockdown here in Sydney that there was a moment when we might have to cancel Plate. but luckily the fates were on our side and vaccination rates were, were what they were and we had the support of the New South Wales government as well which has been really significant um, that we're able to bring this amazing all-star cast of all Australian singers um, together, and it was it was always meant to represent the pinnacle of the, um, the, the, the sorry the jewel in the crown of our twentieth anniversary celebrations, um, and that's why we uh, I was really excited to work with Neil Armfield, who I've never actually worked with apart from being in a festival working at Adelaide Festival, but never in the room, and it's been. It's been a great joy, um, as Kanan has said as well. Neil's just so wise and thoughtful and um, nothing escapes him. And, and, and it's also, this opera is a bit of a performer's opera as well as a director's opera, meaning that it takes great performers to bring it to life and a great director. Um, and certainly we have that in spades in this production. When this was first heard in the title role was... Paul Gilliot, is that right? That's right, this amazing tenor. Who, um, as Erin told me, in fact decided to have his portrait painted as Plate. That's right. So my question to you, Kanan, before we wrap up here is, will you be having your portrait painted with your green hair and your froggy suit and your matching spectacles, I note? I'm glad you noticed. Is this a role that you'll carry with you for a long time? I think so. it's It's... She is great fun she's complex and and um saucy and vulnerable and and you know all of the great things that that you know when i go to a theater and and watch a performance they're the sorts of people's are people's (laughs) they're the sort of people i like to spend an evening with and see what you know how how events unfold um, and the, uh, yes, I, I adore her and, and I adore pinch gut, so um, I always carry the memory of any pinch gut experience uh, very close to my heart, so I have no doubt this will be no exception. I think it's going to be a great night in the theatre. <laughs>